0: Welcome to the 97th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with us as always is Floyd Johnson Jr. He's going to chime in just a little bit. But before we get to him, we have not one but two special guests tonight for this episode of All Things Elite. First up. From One Nation Radio, he's a rapper, he's a producer, an all-round talent in the world of podcasting. We have Rich Lada. Rich, how you doing, real quick?
1: And I'm good, Austin. Glad to be here. Pumped off of this show we just saw tonight, and ready to talk about the uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Uh, rated best promotion in the world, AEW.
0: That is a definite thing that is happening with AEW. But we also have Floyd's co-host on the happiest podcast in pro wrestling around the ring. We have Jesus Perez, or as we're going to call him, just straight up, Jr. Jr. how you doing, man?
2: I'm doing good, Austin. Uh, good to uh, work with you. Same with you, Rich. And uh, obviously, as always, my brother, Floyd. So uh, glad to be here and talk about AEW.
0: Yeah, and it's my first time actually being on a call, I think, with JR, so it's very nice to meet him and glad to have him on the show. You're way more familiar with Floyd, but it's okay. We're gonna I'm to that point
3: excited. I'm excited to have both my boys on. I'm going to put over something for Rich. Uh, check out the song. It's called Second Nature, right?
1: Yes, I believe it's going to be out next week, if yeah. I'm not mistaken.
3: Yeah, uh, it is produced by Mr. Rich Lotta, wrapped by a, f- a former ATE guest, Mr. Uh, Montezzi, and he is uh, Montezzi. He's gonna uh, put it out for everybody. He actually played the song on the uh, Swerve podcast, uh, Swerve City podcast, for Charlotte Flair, and she loved it. She loved it. This is the evolution of Rich as he just gets bigger and bigger and bigger.
1: Appreciate it, man. Shout out to John Connor too. He's also on the song.
3: All right. So as you can see,
0: there's a lot going on on this episode of All Things Late, not only being the fact that we're recording this literally 20 minutes after the show just ended. So our ideas and our thoughts are fresh in our minds for this episode of Dynamite as we lead into Revolution, which is this Sunday. We're going to get really quickly right into the show just because we got everybody here. And plus, it's getting late on the Eastern time. A lot of us are going to need to go to sleep. But first... I want to make sure you are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts, And if you listen to us on Spotify, you can just share us around with your friends. It would be great if you do that. It gets us exposure. we really appreciate it if you do that. If you listen on Google or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts, if you can leave a rating and a review, let us know what we're doing and how we could do better. If you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. You would be forever in our gratitude for doing such a thing. If you don't want to do all that, though, you can just simply follow us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex is what helps this entire group of podcasters get together. They help support all of us. I am at SZoomer4 on Twitter. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter, and we'll go to Rich first. Rich, where can people find you on social media?
1: Yeah, you can find me at RichLadder32. You can type in RichLadder on YouTube or at One Nation Radio.
0: And we'll go to Jr. Jr. Where can people find you on social media?
2: Um, I really like them to follow us at. Around the ring, okay. That is around the ring, okay. Um, I'm also part of a Facebook group for AEW, it's called um AEW All Elite Wrestling Discussion. I'm a moderator there. Um, we have approximately 17,000 members, so that's where you can locate me as on, um, um, you know, being a moderator for AEW.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, real quick, we'll get into the big news of the week, which is clearly that AEW revolution is this week. And we're going to give our predictions and preview the entire show after we cover AEW Dynamite. But we're also going to really quickly skip the BTE recap just because it's a busy show. We got four people. We want to make sure we don't take up all of your lovely day. And we want you guys to listen to the podcast and then get back to your lives so you have a great day. First, we're going to lead in (laughs) with Dynamite, the opening match. They started straight out the gate for those who just tuned in to see Shaq. It was the tag team match between Cody Rhodes and Red Velvet versus Shaquille O'Neal and Jade Cargill. And we all knew kind of going into this match that this match was going to be focused on building up Jade Cargill. The, the promo packages and everything, while including Shaq, was really focused mostly around Jade. And honestly, we're going to go to Rich first. I'm going to take a bit of a backseat and just be kind of a host of this. But... Rich, thoughts on the appearance of Shaq and how he meshed with Jade Cargill and just the match as a whole?
1: I loved it. Um, This was a million times better than I anticipated on One Nation Radio the other week. I said everything was on the table. Um, I, I said it should be like Cody's Super Bowl of, like, smoke and mirrors and... They figured it out. They structured a very basic match. I believe I look think Jade and Red Velvet work well together. Um, Jade's got a great presence about her with more work in the ring more matches. She's going to be a top star in the women's division. Uh, I thought Shaq was amazing in this match. He had a great sense of the moment. I thought he uh, his moves looked good. He did an awesome power bomb, and he stepped up and got body slammed, and uh, I got nothing, for, nothing but praise for how uh, Cody pulled this off.
0: All right. Now we'll go to JR real quick. JR, any thoughts, any differing opinions or whatnot?
2: Yeah, so when this match was first announced, I really thought it was going to be not good. You had Shaquille O'Neal, who hasn't been a professional athlete, for about, I believe, nine years. And I grew up a big Shaq fan. To me, Shaq is the greatest NBA player of all time. But that's because I was a big guy. He was a big guy. But so seeing how long he was out, you know, Red Velvet, we hadn't seen a whole lot of her. Jade, as amazing as she looks, as as an amazing um, athlete, um, and her dedication to fitness, I respect because I know, I know a little bit about, for me, going through a weight transformation, how hard it is to get to um, where I went and to see where she's at with her body her transformation is amazing. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, this match is not going to be bad. And the reason why I say that is Cody Rhodes will not allow this match to be horrible because if it is horrible... It's gonna fall on his shoulders. They're going to blame him. And I thought back about another match that happened way before or about a year before AEW happened. And that was Ronda Rousey and Curry Angle versus Triple H big McMahon at WrestleMania 34. And I just said I felt like they weren't gonna allow that match to fail. And this in that same essence, I felt like Cody wasn't gonna allow this match to fail. I don't know exactly what they went into as far as the development. Um I don't know if they did like practice runs. I don't know what they did, but I felt that it was a very... For who was in that match, and for the lack of ring experience from Shaquille O'Neal, from Jade, and pretty much the experience obviously goes to Cody and Red, but they developed a match that I really think was um, pulled off almost flawlessly. There was only one thing in that match that I think that was an issue, and it had nothing to do with the participants. It had to do with the production. And that was when, after... Uh, Shaq and Cody went through the tables and red velvet spear Jade you didn't see the spear you just heard it because they were focused away from them I think the commentary did a good job um I love Jade like as soon as I saw her I thought she was money I know some people you know some of the critics are like well she's kind of awkward She's you know she doesn't really cut a good promo I think all that's gonna come in time I think the most important part is that she showed she has an amazing athletic ability and she has great movement. Like for me, the big thing was um, pulling off a very flawless spine buster on Red Velvet. Like that, when I saw that, I was like, just give her—I don't care what it takes. Like give her time, but when she gets there, she's gonna be the center of that AW Women's Division.
3: Yeah,
2: you just can't teach what she has. That's what—that—that's how I look at it.
1: And I, yeah, I can, yeah. See, I
2: can see that for
0: sure, yeah.
1: And they felt big, like, from the moment the entrances started. Like, Red Velvet came out in a year I've never seen her in before. Jade looked like a superstar when she came out. Shaq came out and took it serious and looked like he practiced and cared, which was nice.
2: Yeah. Can I just add one more thing, though? Yeah, Because I know, like, with Paul like, with Paul White siding with AEW, and then, you know, for a long time, you know, back in WWE, they were like, oh, you know, Big Show versus Shaq. I think this match should show that there really isn't a good thing to have a giant versus giant because you saw with the way that Cody bumped for Shaq. You're not going to have that with Paul White. Like you're not going to see Paul White taking a back body drop like Cody Rose is. I think, you know, this is the match that had it like that needed to happen. If Shaquille O'Neal was going to have a match in AEW, Cody was the man to do it.
3: All right. If Floyd, do you want to add anything real quick? I know a lot's been said. Oh, yes. I'm just going to add a couple things. Jay Cargill shouldn't lose for two years. I mean, <laughs> like, literally, she should go on the most monster winning streak ever until she's... Like, she shouldn't lose until she's ready to win the title. And then... You can use her to either put over the other person or just give her the belt and let her run with it. She has something that nobody else in the company, like nobody, no other woman in the company has. I mean, it, it appeals, star appeal. When she's in a room with 20 other people, you look at her. I just I just thought this was a great debut and so many building blocks for a great career. And um, just impressed by Shaq in general. Uh, he, he took the serious. They put together a great match. Cody as the conductor, Red Velvet. And you know, it's funny. It's like if you know the serious wrestling fans. You saw the little sign she was doing to get Jade Cargill to the next spot. It was so. It was so cool. And because she's not too much more experienced than Jade, than Jade, from what I understand. But she drove the match, and she did everything to look uh, for Jade to uh, look amazing in the match. I, man cool I, I don't think this goes unanswered by Shaq Cody putting him through the table. So I don't think this rivalry's over yet.
0: One last question I have uh for you guys before we move to the next match. Uh where did Shaq go from the uh from the ambulance? Where did he go?
3: Well, I think they're doing the Big Man Mystical thing. He just got up and left. He's just Shaq. You can't keep him down. A table, simple going through two tables, is not going to make him go through a paramedic to the the hospital. He just got up and left.
0: I refuse to believe that. I refuse he had his Kazan powers to escape. That's the only way that I'm going to believe that whatsoever. Um, But, yeah, we'll go quickly into the next match. I will say I'm excited for that clip of that table spot to be on inside the NBA for at least two months. But... The next match, I don't know exactly how much we have to say on it. It was uh, Pack and Ray Phoenix of the Death Triangle versus John Schuyler in D3. The match less, lasted less than two minutes. So I guess really the only question I have for this match, since there really isn't much to talk about in terms of the match, is that, like, is Death Triangle going to continue to develop or is it just going to kind of, like, be around as, like, a team that can appear every once in a while? Because it's just... It's it's been off just because of how COVID messed with everything with Pack and with the Lucha Bros. So just real quick question, I guess for this match is that I mean, not for this match, but for de- Death Triangle itself, it's like, are we gonna see anything more from them? Do you guys think? Uh, we'll go to Rich first on that.
1: Yeah, I think we'll see more from them, um, and it. I think. They have to – I I know Pentagon was dealing with visa issues, so that's why he was out of the country. him for short stints, as he goes back and forth between England and dealing with the quarantine rules, so – I think it's just going to be a slow process with them. I think this match was just about establishing pack and Phoenix as, as a team. And they're definitely a threat to win to do. Cause I know the, the bucks want to do a match with the other guys. Like I are, I, I can already see that match happening in my head. Um, and, uh, I, I thought their squash looked great. It was something nice to, uh, um, hold people after the shack, uh, match, I think. And, um, you know who doesn't love Deaf Triangle I, I, I think it's uh, visa issues COVID but uh, they've clearly shown a commitment to them because they've uh, held on to this act since last summer since before or last year really um, you know going to s- so, so far to give them a temporary leader to do a storyline so I, I think Death Triangle is just fine
0: okay Rich any other thoughts
1: no I mean ideal, that's right for,
0: for JR sorry
1: <laughs>
3: Uh, I, yeah, I completely agree with Rich in this case. But yeah, that tag match—I I mean, seriously—I think the low is five stars. If you get Ray Phoenix, Pac, and uh, Young Bucks all pack, all and Young Bucks all in the ring together in a tag match, and Man, they great. they have the time that they need. I mean, come on, just. Put me in the front row. I don't care. No mask. I don't care. Let's Texas this bitch. I don't care. <laughs> I would do it to see that match live.
2: <laughs> I, I was just gonna add, I think the whole the most important thing that Rich says about establishing them um because they're gonna be in a casino tag team Battle Royale. So yeah, we had I don't remember the last time we seen Pop on TV. Um and obviously we saw Rick Phoenix um lose to Lance Archer last week, so it was just needed to show them if they're gonna be a tag team, that they're a dominant tag team. All right. Yeah, yeah good, I think the last time so saw
1: pack was pack was around uh, for beach breaking at six man, I think, and then he did a match with uh, with Ryan Nemeth. I don't know if that Ryan Nemeth match was before the six man though.
0: Well, we at least know he's been on TV for at least a couple weeks uh, of 2021, I want to say. But we'll move into the Inner Circle press conference for focusing around uh, Chris Jericho and MJF and how they will be taking on the Young Bucks at Revolution for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Um, I will say, first of all, uh, they had audio issues, um, but it was uh, quickly fixed within, like, I want to say, a minute or two. But the first guy, you literally couldn't even hear what the hell he said. But... The, the press conference was focused mostly of MJF and Jericho putting themselves over and they also just continued to bash the Young Bucks, bash Papa Buck, and also how a lot of the questions were uh, mo- like going after them and they proceeded to fight back at that. Eric Bischoff came back for yet another press conference question and I was glad to see him once again. And the Young Bucks then quickly came out after Papa Buck was mentioned by Eric Bischoff. And they ripped into him talking about how great their dad was and all the things they did and how if AEW probably wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for uh, Papa Buck helping them get started in pro wrestling by just building a ring in their backyard. And eventually after the Young Bucks just ran off all the great things about their dad, they got fired up, super kicked Jericho and MJF, Brawl broke out, and it led to uh, Gallows and Anderson actually coming out to help the Young Bucks and setting up Santana and Ortiz on one table by the stage and one table on the floor by the ring, and Nick and Matt both made dives off onto Santana or Ortiz through the tables. Um, and I felt like the segment, besides the audio issues, were pretty fun, and I enjoyed the the fire that the young buck showed in the match, but we'll go to Rich first, and then JR, and then Floyd. Guys, thoughts on this little segment?
1: I thought Jericho and MJF were in rare form. I thought... Um They were yelling uh, and cutting people off and just uh, being real true dicks. And then the Bucs came out and, you know, the Bucs get a bad rap sometimes for how they talk. And, um, you know, there's the one real weakness uh, I think, you know, people would say they have. But not tonight. Uh, Matt Jackson, you know, really fired up with a heartfelt promo and, you know, anyone that loves their dad, you know, and I, I think could relate to that. And even Nick spoke, so, uh, and you know, the Bucks had to uh, show that they could get angry, personal, pissed off, and fight. And it's going to be interesting, you know, when it comes to the match to see if they are really going to take it to these dudes in a physical type way. Because uh, it's been really heated, and I I thought this segment uh, was well done. I only wish Dave Meltzer actually came to the show and asked a question.
0: All right, going to JR.
2: I love nostalgia, so seeing, um, seeing Eric Bischoff was awesome. I love Conrad Thompson. He was the first podcast I ever listened to when he was doing the Rick Flair show. Um, this is going back to, like, 2016. Um, yeah, I just I think he's a great guy. And I think I saw um, uh, Robbie from Barstool Sports, but it didn't look like him at the same time because he had longer hair than the last time I saw him which I, if it's him, I thought was cool because I met that guy before at a Conor McGregor fight. I think he's awesome. Can I just, like, just one thing, and, and I will say it just because I just, I would love to have seen an expression, and it will never happen in the wildest dreams ever, but, like, just whenever we saw Eric bitch out there, like, oh, my God, but I would just, I would love to see one time to, uh, to troll a little bit see Jim Cornette. <laughs>
0: I I get that appeal, but I don't think it's ever going to happen, just because I think the relationship is just not there.
3: Uh, No, no. It would completely ruin GM Cornette's gimmick. He cannot show up on their TV show. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) mean, his gimmick is that he hates AEW. I always say that on our other show. And then he's like, do you think he really hates AEW? I'm like, no, I don't think he hates AEW, but... He has to Just say what he has like to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, this is all he, every, the, he, he is working everybody. And I love it. I love that for Jim Cornette. But yeah, because of that, he can never be on that show. He can be on a, a show that maybe some people show up on. But uh, yeah, Turkey Tits, Conrad Thompson. Now, I gotta, <laughs> I, I, I gotta give a shout out to my hero. Hey. He is a man that just likes talking about wrestling, who has made a shit ton of money doing it. He was already rich, and then he made, like, a lot more money doing it. So I I have to give a a shout-out to uh, Mr. Conrad. Became a part of the Flair family. Is he not living, like, every fan's dream? I mean, he was on AEW. What actual credentials does Conrad Thompson have in professional wrestling? Nothing. But he has made it happen. Shout-out to Conrad yeah i can
0: i can see that for sure um i will say uh yeah i the turkey tits line was one of the highlights of that segment for sure but we'll move into the next match which was ftr and tully blanchard make sure you put respect on his name tully blanchard versus all of jurassic express jungle boy luchasaurus marco stunt Tully blanchard had the nwa us title around his waist which i actually was very excited to see and jj Dillon was at ringside uh for the match which was great and the match featured a lot of uh mainly beating up on marco stunt by Tully blanchard the slingshot su- uh, suplex was so fun to see um and there was a lot of pretty cool great spots i loved the uh the spot of the superplex i believe into uh i want to say it was da i, I, I no, it was cash i believe who did the frog splash off of the top rope after the superplex that was probably my favorite spot of the match um after the match was over though uh tully blanchard was able to get the pin on luchasaurus because of interference by a man uh dressed up as a cameraman who uh used a foreign object to uh help ftr take control of the match and they hit that, trip, that, uh, that triple spike pile driver, which gave the win to FTR and Tully Blanchard. And it was revealed it was Sean Spears, and Arn Anderson came out and saw what was transpiring and flashed the four fingers, and there's your four horsemen right there. So we'll go quickly into Rich, and then JR, and then Floyd. Rich, thoughts on this match, man?
1: Am I tripping, or like did we miss the the video package for the death match. Uh, where's that after uh, on this? I think it was after, but we'll definitely Uh, uh, talk about, we'll definitely talk
0: about the death match too, when we get into the preview, but I believe it was after this.
1: Okay. Um, I thought this was, uh, AW does a lot of things with presentation that tend to work out really well. Um, seeing Tully Blanchard Russell was a thrill, um, because I'm a huge fan of his slingshot suplex, and I got to see him do it. Uh, he moved rather well for being 67 years old. Uh, I think, you know, uh, all, all the guys that were working around him, obviously, were doing the work. I loved FTR's boots uh, in this match, and I think FTR's kind of hitting your stride right now. Um, I, yeah, I, I thought it was a really fun match. All right, right, Jr.
2: You know, for me, um, and Floyd knows this, I'm a massive FTR. For me, FTR is the greatest tag team in this current generation, the last 20, 20, 30 years, is going back to the brain busters of and Arn. Um, And I'm such, you know, one of the things that Floyd taught me is, you know, that, that positivity when you're on Twitter and just keeping things positive. But when FTR comes out, I'm a straight heel. So when people are like, the Young Bucks are the great team, I'm like, no. Young Bucks are a bunch of spot monkeys, get them off my TV. I want to see my FTR guys. These are the greatest tag team of all time. And so seeing them come out with James J. Dillon, with Tully and Tully Blanchard with the belts, I thought was to me the greatest thing I've seen in the last like, you know, the last year of professional wrestling. I mean, I just I love it. I can't say it enough how much I loved it. Um I love them beating Jurassic Express and just the way how everything, you know, unfolded was amazing one of the things with totally blanchard is he hasn't really worked a full schedule since 89 in a sense like when he was at like his top and when he left um when he did leave wwe in 1989 so from 1989 to kind of even up until 2007 i think he may have only wrestled like a, am talking about like a few handful of matches like if it was more than 12 i'd be surprised so even at 67, it was like, oh, my God, 67-year-old man is wrestling. And, you know, I don't think a 67-year-old man should be wrestling, like, anywhere near, like, e- even on any sort of full-time basis or any part-time basis. But he's probably one of the most fit 67-year-old men that we've ever seen on television. And the only person I could think that would probably be in a similar place with him would have been, like, Berengania. Um, because of how well he took care of his body, or Killer Kowalski, so I I really did expect him to be okay, considering the fact that he's close to seventy. And so I mean, and he was wrestling Marco Stott. I mean,
1: you probably put Bob
2: Backlund on that list too. Oh, I forgot about Bob Backlund. That dude probably just still to this day does steps.
1: Yep. Um, but yeah, hey, I, man, I, I, I'm just looking for um that all the FTR Best Tag Team of the Year awards. uh the young almost have six. It looks like. <laughs>
2: what? Uh, what award?
1: Um, the uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter Tag Team of the Year. Um, going sir, back to uh, uh, nineteen eighty.
3: Let me just ask: Who was PWI's number one tag team this year, sir? Uh, uh for twenty twenty, well, who was PWI's number one tag team? Uh, uh yeah.
1: What, what was that based on? Huh. What was that based on? What was that based on? Uh, FTR being I, I, great? The
2: only thing I would just add in is that, you know, the one thing about Thruppstay is their newsletter. It's basically, you know, it's obviously it's rigged. So, you know, they'll say. Oh, oh, okay. like. okay.
1: Gotcha. Rigged. Yeah. Okay. It's rigged.
3: <laughs> just know, just know, <laughs> FTR is now in the, in the friendly confines and they're going to start getting some of those now. Uh, move over, Young Bucks. But according to this match, <laughs> seeing my boys, Young Bucks. Young Bucks one and zero. See, we catch up. Uh, technically one in one because they were in a tag team gauntlet match that FTR won. So that means they lost one in one, one in one, and one in <laughs> 1, one. How? Do, hey, how does gauntlet matches work? Look it up on Cage Match. It's going to say FTR won a match that the Young Bucks were in one and oh. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. Hey, cage match seems to be the Bible for everyone. They beat the Young Bucks on cage match.
1: Hey, man, y'all remember the Nas and Jay Z beef? Who made you an employee? <laughs> the MTR
3: are our employees now. They are. They are. They are employees of the Young Bucks. So yeah, yeah. So you can't count last year's uh, one. You uh, can't count their uh, wrestler, the tag team of the year from last year. They were the bosses. Of course, they were the tag team of the year. Jeff Jarrett. The Jeff Jarrett of Tag Teams. <laughs> now like, let me uh let me uh, say on this, for me it brought like a tear to my eye because Tully doing the slingshot suplex on Marco Stunt was amazing. And just him doing his little struts, he's still it's like he's still it's a lot slower, but he still has it. You know what I mean? It's like I don't want to see him into any singles matches. Hold on, pause. Oh, yeah. yeah, and when they were throwing up the four, I'm like, hey Tully, I love you. But you're the JJ of this group. You're not a part of the four. <laughs> you're you're not. You're not. Uh, uh, Sean Spears, he's definitely in that Paul Roma area of four horsemen. Like,
0: really? Uh, uh,
3: uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's four horsemen quality, but whatever. Whoever, if they ever get somebody in four, I'm just I'm just happy that the name is back, that the people are back. It's uh, it's awesome, and they beat the Jungle Man and his lizard. And the midget, so I'm I'm just happy that happened. Yeah, because all is right in the world. All the FTR needs is their belts back, so that'll happen too.
1: I like Tully's gear. He had he had the uh, polo, that master gear, kind of. <laughs> man, I love the hey
3: hey. He has old man swag. You know what I mean? It's like I'm gonna dress like Tully when I get that age.
2: <laughs> it, 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 to me reminded me of a cross between Bobby Heenan and Tony Soprano.
1: That's a great observation.
0: All right. Well, we're going to get into the next match real quickly, but I actually just got word of this and saw this on social media, and I just want to bring it to your guys' attention that, uh, uh, unfortunately, a legendary promoter from Mid-Atlantic Wrestling and NWA, Jim Crockett, uh, has sadly passed away. Um, AEW tweeted it about 20 minutes ago, and uh, I just want to say, just straight up, like, wrestling probably wouldn't have been what it was back in the days of the territories if it wasn't for guys like Jim Crockett uh, like the NWA was f- like just so many territory de- territories but Jim Crockett promotions was just one of the biggest parts of that territory system and like the amount of matches that were booked under his his uh, power was like unsurmountable and I just got word of this so honestly I just wanted to bring it to your guys' attention because honestly it's quite insane
3: and I just want to add very quickly I would not be the wrestling fan I am today Floyd as you know it would not exist if it wasn't for Jim Crockett promotions the storytelling uh, all the aspects of professional wrestling that I love that so many people have grown out of is the building blocks of who I am so
1: RIP Mr. Jim Crockett yeah a tad bit before my time but definitely um, Jim Crockett uh, promotions and you know that, like Floyd said, laid a lot of the foundation for like Southern wrestling. And um, you know, sad to hear somebody lost their life. And uh, I guess he had, you know, his, it looks like his liver and his kidneys are failing. So, um, you know, sad to see that. Uh, best wishes goes out to his family. And uh, you know, <laughs> you know, he's the he's the other side of the coin. Um, you know, of the Northeast. Like uh, these guys were. You know, in the Saturday night time slot, and he was the president of the NWA before. So, a uh, major loss in the world of wrestling. Yeah, yeah
0: honestly. Oh, go
1: ahead, Ray. I was going
2: to say, you know, it's very, you know, it, obviously it's unfortunate anytime somebody, you know, passes away. But Jim Crockett Jr. met to professional wrestling, especially in the 80s with Jim Crockett promotions. I mean, you there's there wouldn't be a Ric Flair, there wouldn't be a Sting, there wouldn't be the Road Warriors we see today, there wouldn't be the Horsemen if it wasn't for Jim Crocker promotions and the Mid Atletic Championship Wrestling. So um they definitely set a foundation. And it was before my time. I mean, I was born essentially when the Jim Crocker was bought by Ted Turner. Um when I was in college about fifteen years ago, I spent a good deal of time going back, you know, watching old VHS tapes, watching, you know, DVDs from WWE release about those days and it was amazing wrestling. Um and you think, you know, for example you think you start K83, a Star K eighty three, a player for the gold and everything that came after that. So um, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with his family and, you know, hopefully you know, just remember the good times that as a wrestling fan that he was able to create for us and I'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah, I would definitely recommend to any fans of old school Southern wrestling or NWA wrestling before uh, Vince bought uh, all the territories. Um, like if if you can find them, I'm I'm sure they're probably on the network. Like watch some of those old Starcades. watch some of those old matches of Ric Flair when he was on his just multi-year dominance with the NWA Championship. Just you're gonna find like again it, well before my time, but you're gonna find so many treasures of just classic old school Southern wrestling and just. Like You're just going to see so much love and adulation for this product that like has grown and changed in so many ways since Jim Crockett Promotions. But yeah, absolutely. Rest in peace to most definitely the one and only Jim Crockett. We're going to bring this up a little bit. I know I brought it down a little bit with the mood, but I just got word of that actually just very recently. But we'll move into the next match on this Dynamite show. We had the finals of the AEW Women's World Championship Elimination Tournament. Uh, the finals on the uh, side of the American side, we had uh, Nyla Rose. And on the Japanese side, the finalist was Ryu Mizunami. I will say, honest to God, I had no clue that Rio Mizunami was going to be the person to finish out on the Japanese side. I was caught completely off guard by that, but I was... Very excited to see how she did in the finals, and I, I truly thought this was Britt Baker's tournament to win. But we were uh, we were very much wrong on that with our predictions. But uh, this match I felt was very strong for uh, the build towards the championship match at Revolution. I especially loved even outside of the match after the match was over and Ryu Mizunami got the win. Uh, when Sheeta came in, presented her with the tournament uh, trophy, and then they just proceeded to beat the living shit out of each other, just punching each other. And they were just egging each other on, too, about it. Just, like, punch me, punch me, punch me. And they were just smiling at each other. They were just so excited that they get to fight at what what I would assume, honestly, in my mind, Revolution is probably AEW's equivalent to WrestleMania. So, huge moment for her, for sure. I was very impressed with, um, once again, Nyla Rose still showing why she's one of the best women on the roster. Um, I love the inclusion of just Vicky Guerrero as just that perfect heel manager that just always gets heat. I truly love it every time she shows up because she's just so easy to hate. Um, but, yeah, uh, we got Ryu Mizunami moving on to face Sheeta at Revolution for the AEW Women's Championship. Uh, we'll go to Rich. Thoughts on this match and what's leading into Revolution?
1: Oh, man, this was a barn burner. Hawes battle. Uh, it was uh, a great win for Rio Mizunami, who's gotten over really big. I think you hit it on the head, Austin. This whole women's tournament was an exercise in subverting your expectations, I think. And what I've learned about AEW and how they use the women is, like, there's no type. Like, you're not going to be able to guess. Like, you know, obviously, you know, uh, if this was WWE, you know, historically the type of women that they like to push – AEW tends to find itself not falling into those patterns, which is really refreshing. Uh, We covered the entire tournament on uh, One Nation Radio. And looking at the path Rio took to get here, she goes through the very popular Maki Ito. She gets a career-defining win over Aja Kong, who's like one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, And in that Aja Khan match, I think she breaks through a little bit more than she did in the Maki Ito match. Then she has the match with the super worker, the ace of Tokyo Joshi Pro, uh, Yuka Sakazaki, goes through her and then comes to America. And my whole thing was, if she's coming to America, she's not losing. And they gave her a former champion who's a monster. And Nyla Rose, um, for her part of it, she continues to deliver. When you kind of forget about her sometimes because she's she's not always used, but when she is and you ask her to step up, uh, her match with Thunder Rosa was awesome. Uh, the Brit match hmm, wasn't my favorite, but I know some some people that did like it. Excuse me, uh, but this match tonight, they were hitting and flipping and moving, and you know I I really enjoyed it. And very excited to see um, uh, Real Mizunami get a chance because uh, she nearly retired before Double or Nothing, and uh, this someone is a, this is someone that's a foundational piece uh, that started on day one of AEW, and that fucking pandemic, excuse me, has like held this up. So very happy to see her back. Uh, love her uh, charisma and her swag and everything.
0: All right, JR, your thoughts, man.
2: Um, you, my my tournament bracket was perfect. I didn't lose a single one. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I my tournament bracket was messed up from from day one. Um, I didn't. I can tell you, I did not have Rio Mizunami uh, advancing past the first round. Um, I really just echo everything Rich said. I think every match kind of built up for Rio, and obviously, I did not think the person coming out of once the tournaments start going on, especially on the American side and we got to, I would say, the semifinals of the of the American side, I was fully confident that whoever came out of the Japanese side would eventually win the tournament and go on to uh, revolution to face AEW Women's Champion Shida. I, I actually grown to like her. I, I felt like, and I hope this isn't meant to be offensive to anybody, I, I really don't hold a lot about Joshi Pro Wrestling, but I, when I saw her, I felt like, I feel a little bit of, like, I see Yano and Okada in her. Like, I don't know if it's, like, the robe, I don't know if it's her movement, but she just seemed like a very fun character for, for a very fun character, but a, a character, but a person, a wrestler you should also take serious, like Okada. Does that make sense?
0: I can definitely yeah. see it from the robe, yeah.
2: Um, so, I just, she felt, you know, like, one of the bigger, to me, she felt bigger, especially the more that I saw her. Um, and... I, I did like the match. I think they put on a great match. I, If I could just, from what I, I don't know if, I, if I'm allowed to say like a rumor, I don't know who's going to win on Sunday. I honestly don't. But I did hear something that Kenny Omega is really high on Rio. And, uh, and I can see it. I, I see what he sees. And she's a great worker. I think right now, because of the division and Flynn and I have this conversation at least once a week, the division is still developing. The division is still developing. And you need solid workers for um, to, in the meantime, until you get a, some of the younger talents who has a lot of potential to eventually blossom into being a big star, and I think someone like you know Rio, as well as um, Riho, and Rio, I'm sorry, I'm studying on my words, are the first AEW Women's Champion and our current challenger. She, the you know, talent like that, is definitely gonna help the division in the meantime.
3: Yeah, in the in, in mine is a very quick statement. In the last three months, I'd like to say the actual entering work talent level, uh, including adding, you know, Thunder Rosa basically to the roster and Serena Deeb has went three steps up. It it was like yeah. these people weren't ready for TV. And it's just like now it's like, okay, now I'm one of those people that's like, okay, I think at this point with the elevation of their work. They have earned more TV time. And that's what I've always said. It's just, you know, let them develop, you know, let them develop on Dark and all that stuff. But they've added Serena Deep, Thunder Rosa, you know, the Japanese uh, Japanese talent and the people on the roster are just getting better. You see it getting better in your eye, in your in front of you every week. So I, I just had to commend them on that. Yeah all right.
0: After this, we had uh, uh, Preston Vance of, uh, well, also known Ten, uh, from the Dark Order, taking on Max Cassiter of the Acclaimed. Um, first thing, uh, Max, the Lady Gaga dog line was a bit too soon, but that's just my personal opinion. I know it's hip hop. You say stuff to say stuff, and to get whether it be shock rap or whether it be just battle rap, I get it. But uh, I'm not sure exactly if AEW wants the heat of the Gaga stands. Just saying. Just saying. Um, but uh, this match was uh, for determining one of the final spots in the face the Revolution ladder match that will be taking place at Revolution. There's also one more spot that's going to be a surprise that they have not yet announced. Um, but the match ended up breaking down to when eventually Jack Evans from TH2 showed up from underneath the ring, took Max Cassidy's boombox and hit Ten with it, and that allowed for um, uh, Max to get the p- the pinfall on the win. I will also say too, when Max uh, was doing his battle rap and made a, a little jab at Negative One, he wanted to kill Max Cassidy, and I'm telling you right now, Negative One is someone you really don't want to fuck with. I'm just I'm just pointing that out right now. But this match, um, putting in honestly. I don't know if we have too much to say about the match. I'm more interested in thoughts about um, Max Cassiter himself appearing in the uh, Face the Revolution ladder match because, I mean, we've known him from just being one of the members of the Acclaimed. Having him compete in this ladder match is a bit, probably the biggest spotlight he has so far for uh, being in AEW. So I want to get mostly thoughts on just Max Cassiter's include, inclusion on this uh, ladder match because I find it... Truly interesting, and I want to know you guys' thoughts. So we'll go to Rich
1: first. I would have definitely said the Lady Gaga line. Sure, uh, I know you would
0: because you're a rapper.
1: Yep, um, it, it got a big reaction from the crowd too. Um, I think Caster, uh, you look cycle to cycle. This is a hell of a come up, isn't it? Like the last pay per view cycle, uh, they weren't even he wasn't even the television act yet. They debuted after, I believe. And then got involved with the Bucks and uh, you know, picked up a couple wins there. But I think Caster's got something. Um, I think he's gonna connect with people. His, you know, I think he's a updated version of what Cena was doing. He's not afraid to, you know, maybe cross the line. Uh and I, I like his ambition. Um and, you know, as far as the match, I, I I like 10 also. Um, these guys are, you know, they've got a little bit of factory wrestler in both of them um i think they've just got to you know become you know big work more better uh at working however um i've seen a lot of guys like these have you know lots of success in wrestling it's funny that uh max caster in 10 because i see john cena in them both that's hilarious
2: we'll go to jr next Talk about being completely wrong, I did not see Max Caster beating Ten. I mean, especially with Ten, I feel like they were building him up. You know, you talk about the face of the revolution. Ten was one of the first young guys that was signed into AEW. Um, He from the Nightmare Factory. I thought for sure he was going to be in this match. I'm just confused by it because I thought they were going to be in the the Casino Battle Royale for the tag team. They have a he's in a tag team with Anthony Bowens, part of the claim. It just it just seems a little bit weird to me. Um, it is what it is. I don't expect him to win the face revolution ladder match. My assumption is he's there to be a bumping machine for the likes of Lance Archer or you know Pensa and Cody. Um, but we'll see what happens.
3: Right, and yeah, I just, I just, I love Max Caster. I just, I want his autograph. I want Rich to produce something for him. Uh, oh, a, I
1: definitely it, would like to work with
3: him. Yeah. Like <laughs> one of these dark videos that they do. Cause I think that is the hidden gem of AEW. I know not everybody watches dark, but everybody should watch dark for his disc, disc things. Cause he, he yeah, can destroy. Yeah. He destroys you. And it's just, Super talented. His his ring work is fine. And I don't think he's one of those people. His ring work never needs to be great. His act is, you know, amazing. And I I give all shout out to him. And I love how the whole they took these two separate things and made it about Matt Hardy taking the Dark Order out one by one. I, I just love how they put that all together. I mean man, this I mean this show did feel like uh like a dynamite plus. It wasn't quite a pay-per-view, but that first hour is pay-per-view quality. But uh yeah, it felt like a dynamite plus show and yeah, I, I thought this match added to it.
1: Shaq, JJ Dillon, Onita, Tully Blanchard. We didn't know what was coming next. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
3: And it's just like it's exciting. It's exciting, tight two hours of wrestling. It was like we're hour and forty minutes in the show, and I'm like, it's the main event already because it felt like everything just came at you so quick.
0: I love. It worked really, really. It worked really, really well for a go home show for a Revolution. It really did. But before we get to the main event, too, because I know I I did not forget about it. We also had the debut of Paul White showing up with Tony Schiavone to talk mainly about. AEW Dark Elevation, which uh, both Shivani and uh, Paul flubbed uh, a couple times, mainly when they were talking about Revolution. I get it. It was a couple... They both ended with uh, T-I-O-N. It's like Revolution, Evolution, Evolution. Like, they were going to fuck it up. There's too many, like, Chun shows, I guess. But they pretty much announced that... um, paul was going to be like we we've already known he's going to be the color commentator and we know i still think we know very little about exactly what elevation is going to do to separate itself from dark i assume it's just going to be a lot more of lesser known talents fighting their way up to dark and then those people fighting their way up to tv time but uh it was good to see paul i loved the no bs uh the no more bs uh little tagline and t-shirt That is such a great play on words, like just no more BS, no more big show, no more bullshit. That just works really well. Like, that's a good, clever nod, and I appreciate it. But if anyone wants to take a jab about their thoughts leading into what exactly AEW Dark Elevation is going to be and, like, their thoughts on Paul White being in AEW... Um, go ahead and give your thoughts. if not, we'll just move on down the line and head on to the main events.
3: And don't forget he talked about the Hall of Fame signing that aew is gonna. That announce. is true.
0: Yes, I totally I, I didn't want to forget that either. Yes,
3: he so AEW I, would like, yeah, I would like, yeah, I. would like to know each of their thoughts on who that may or may not be. And if you do know, say someone else.
2: <laughs> I can, can I ask a question? So I this has been like the talk of Twitter after Paul White Paul White spoke. Did he say a future Hall of Fame bound or a Hall of Famer?
3: Hall of Fame quality was the term. Yeah, that I he thought he used. said Hall of Fame caliber. Or, or yeah, something. caliber, yeah. He so, was like basically not in the Hall of Fame yet, but his career where he should be in the Hall of Fame.
2: The reason I ask is because there's been, there's been a rumor that, that Floyd and I have been talking about and I don't want to share, but the names have been coming up, some people are saying it's Kurt Angle, it's Mark Henry, which is kind of for me, it was confusing. I was like, "Well, I, they're Hall of Fame, but they're Hall of Famers, but that also could be Hall of Fame quality because this, you're not saying they're future Hall. You're not saying it's going to be a future Hall of Famer. So um, it's just kind of like the the play on words is like that's been the talk of Twitter because one of the names that we've been that I've been talking about for a while is somebody who just left Impact Wrestling. I'll leave it at that, but um, but it'd be interesting to see like who's this Hall of Fame." quality person coming in because when you say something like that i think it leaves the door open it could be anybody who's like a superstar in the making who people think that is going to be a, a for sure hall of famer it could be a current hall of famer
1: yeah man um i i think like you said it, it could be anybody because i'm trying to think who's out there who may not be under contract who may have something to give still um, I immediately hit Twitter with very excited for John Cena to show up at Revolution. <laughs> but um, um, Yeah, I, I think we, as far as the question about elevation, um, you know, they stumbled upon a format this year with uh, AW Dark that they wouldn't have had um, had they, you know, been operating normal with no pandemic. It would have just been, you know, guys that weren't making it on the dynamite going against each other on the road, you know, like a format show or something like that. Um, uh, but The format that they've stumbled into i think people really like it um you know they get to see these these uh indie wrestlers show up and it's a good way to fluff you know records it's also a place to try things i think that's kind of what elevation is going to turn into and then as you know hopefully you know the pandemic slows up dark will go back to being what it was that's probably my prediction on it
3: so yeah, um, I see elevation as a more character-driven show where they're gonna tell you where these people came from, their dream, blah blah blah, that kind of stuff, and then you'll get like three or f- three matches or so uh, a week as they build up and pretty much build their uh, build their coming of age or whatever, whatever, uh, build up their journey as they. Uh, As they get ready for dark, get ready for so it'll be a lot of nightmare factory people, people, you know, people that can just get some wins under their belt. Like the people that always lose on dark, probably win on elevation. And as far as the, as far as the Hall of Famer, I saw a name online. It wasn't my idea, so I'm not giving it out. Um, I I, I've called on this show weeks ago. Before it even became, I said all oh, ego Ethan Page was gonna be the uh, six man in the ladder match. I, I said it. That's so I was
1: getting very loud.
3: Yeah, I said that before anybody could get it out there. I was like, let me throw this out there before anybody else does. So I think I think he's gonna be it. And Hall of Fame caliber could mean a lot of things. I'm. I guessing he would have just said a Hall of Famer if it was somebody that was already in the Hall of Fame. So it's uh I will say this. The name uh the name I saw, I'll say why it makes sense. He was at the Royal Rumble and they haven't done anything with him since. And it's Edge's best friend. So I don't know. Could that be it? Cause I've heard actual people from AEW literally say Hey, come over here to him. So maybe it's Jay Rizzo, maybe it's not. I I hope it's just somebody I don't see coming cuz I I just want to mark out, you know, be happy, you know. I, I like The Big Show, which I I never even heard The Big Show. I'm like I feel like I talk to a lot of people that are on a lot of different uh Reddits and groups. I never big once shot. heard I never heard once heard the name Paul White, before it was announced by AEW. So they're really good at keeping it close to the vest.
1: And then, like, you think about who's out there, like those Legends deals, and where, you know, it's so weird how the Big Show thing played out, because you know, at at the stage of Big Show's career, he kind of has to take or leave what they're offering him. And with AEW, this is why AEW's here, to give wrestlers options and you know it's no secret that big show is a gamer and he's you know got ambitions for doing stuff outside the ring like you know it's time
0: yeah now we can get to the main event of the show which was a tag team match between john silver and hangman Adam a page versus matt hardy and mark quinn of private party the match itself Featured a lot of uh, good tag team moments and had Hangman still being probably the still one of my top favorite guys on the roster right now. John Silver too did really ro- great stuff. I especially loved when Hangman and uh, and um, uh, John Silver did an amazing body back body drop together on Mark Quinn, where he basically just did a full on like I want to say like like six six eighty it seemed like. Um, and, um, and there was also the point in the match where uh, Hangman was being hugged by John Silver and he was just kind of like, just whatever about it. So the match finished off when uh, Hangman countered Twist of Fate, tagged in Silver, and he hit him with a spear. Hangman got the Buckshot Lariat and then af- and um, that finished off Martin Quinn. But then after the match was over, uh, Matt Hardy attacked him with a microphone. The entire Dark Order comes out to save him and then eventually everyone... Who was going to be in the Casino Battle Royal showed up and just ended the show with a giant massive brawl that led into the Road to Revolution show that aired right after Dynamite went off the air. And it's, I mean, it's it's the closer for a pay per view. It did what it asked to do. But we'll go in, Rich, then Jr., then Floyd. Thoughts on this main event and how it capped off the show leading into Revolution?
1: Uh, it was cool. Um, I thought Silver looked great. Uh, in there Quinn was was you know Quinn, Mark, Quinn's a unique talent because uh, everyone's seen his aerial ability and I think as he works more out I think he's going to be a big star one day Hangman's kind of you know in cruise control because he's kind of in a side quest uh, mission so this is this is okay all
2: right JR your thoughts I, I'm a big fan of Hangman Adam Page. I love John Silver. I, I mean, the more we get John Silver on AE, AEW Dynamite, the more I'm a fan of AEW Dynamite. I just think that... I think people like us appreciate him. I don't know if the masses have a chance to appreciate him because we see what he does on social media. And so I would just love to see him more on AEW Dynamite. Uh, it was, for me, though, it was weird because last week we ended with Last Archer versus. um... Lance Archer versus Phoenix and then this week went with this, I felt that we there should have been the ending of either more of Moxley and Omega last week and especially this with going into uh revolution. That's the only thing that I felt, to me was weird about.
1: Yeah, I agree.
3: Yeah, <clears throat> it was funny. It was like I, I watched the show and all I could think about it it was like it was shot a shot in reverse. Like the main event went on first, and then the first mitch went on last, and that nah, it, it was it was an interesting take. Uh, my uh putting Cody and Shaq on first was genius because it got my people that don't even watch wrestling. They They're like, "Oh Shaq's wrestling, and they turned it on, and I'm getting messages through the show, and they kept watching the whole show. so i I, I honestly think this is gonna do a pretty big number. Uh, but yeah, uh, John Silver. He's like, I wouldn't call him a secret weapon because everybody knows it, but when he's in the ring, he's so good. He's just so good, and he's so crisp, and I think he's been doing this forever, so it makes sense, and then there's, there's no bigger star to me. Like, I don't know if everybody knows who he is, but there's nobody that's built as a bigger star right now than the hangman. And that end where he hits the clothesline and he pins him and he stares at Matt Hardy. Oh, my, that should be a poster. That should be a poster (laughs) that's death stare that he gave him like I dare you to come break up this pen I I just like they're doing such a great job with them such a great job like if you said hey how would you book Hangman I probably would have done none of what they've done but everything that they've done has worked perfectly where it's like there's this growing uh, murmur that Hangman should be champion uh, what'd you say?
1: He's in the incubator. Yeah. They're clearly taking care of him every step of the way. They're trying to make sure they're not doing it too fast, and they're trying to make sure people want it real bad when it's time for him.
3: Yeah, and it's just, yeah, it's just growing archive. Why is he not growing fan base? Why is he not the world champion yet? Why is he not the world champion yet? And that's where you want the guy that you want to be. You want him in that place and, you know, where they're begging for it. I mean, I remember – Kenny Omega in New Japan it was like when he got to the main event of the uh, of Wrestle Kingdom and lost to Okada oh my god it was like why didn't they just put the belt on him he's so hot cause that was like my first Wrestle Kingdom that was my first time seeing this man wrestle and it was just like but as soon as it was over that you could tell the American voices were in New Japan like I want it now make him champion now 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 and that's when you're like that, that's when they know they've gotten you.
0: Yep. Yeah. And especially for Hangman, too, when we started off when they were like when the company was announced and they uh, hangman was like, I want to be the first AEW world champion and how they really positioned him to be the workhorse of the entire company and how a lot of people weren't sure about it yet. Like people had their doubts with Hangman when he faced Jericho for the championship People had their doubts. They weren't exactly sure if the Hangman could be trusted to be like the the one guy they can always always be trusted on, um, which has completely flipped since he became his drunk character, and since he teamed with Kenny, and since he broke off of the Elite, and since he did all these sorts of things. And I honestly, it's it's the best place you want for for Hangman. If people just clamoring is like, why don't you put a title on this guy? Like that's the exact point that we want hangman to be at because then you know that the the moment when he does become champion it's going to be huge that he
1: that's all it is but that hopefully not is, for a long oh, time you know we as I said, hopefully not, not for a long time you know i'm enjoying all uh, this kenny omega run oh
3: hey. no, yeah I, I am too i honestly have not enjoyed i probably since Hulk Hogan have I enjoyed a heel turn as much as I've enjoyed this Kenny Omega run. It is like he is such a perfect dick and he does it in a way that even annoys people that love him. So I, I, I he's he's magic right now. I wouldn't take the belt off for him at least six months at this point.
1: Yeah. Um, I'll just
2: I'll just add to that. My prediction, um, and this is with Hangman and Kenny, is we're gonna circle back to this in November at full gear. I think that's gonna I mean, be the time because it's gonna be built up for so long. That's when the time will become is like we've been waiting and waiting for Hangman to get the, to get that shot, get the a run with the belt. That if you think about, it, it would be over two years at that point that we've been waiting for this. And the one thing I will credit AEW, they have when it comes to the best storyline. I think they've hit <coughs> a, one thousand um, percent, ten out of ten with the world title picture in AEW. I think every movement they made has been correct and the other thing i was going to add kind of a voice said about the rating the show is i think everything they did as far as like the layout of it made sense because if they put shaq and cody on last i think fans are going to come at the last minute but by doing what they did i and if you kind of for people who care about ratings as the quarters go on you see kind of a decline especially going into hour two. But if you have this huge surge at the beginning, especially with how great that first hour was,
0: we're yeah, going to have a,
2: yeah, you're going to have, it's going to be a huge, I think it's going to be probably a 1.1, 1.2 rating.
0: That would be pretty damn good, but, um, I guess that'll cover everything for a W dynamite for this week. And just to make sure we can get everybody out of here quickly and make sure we get the show all wrapped up. Um, Because I think we've all pretty much um, said how this show was a very good, strong uh, go-home show for Revolution. Floyd said it felt like Dynamite Plus, which I think is also a good point to add on. But I think now we can just get into our preview and predictions for AEW Revolution. We have a good amount of matches that we need to get through. We'll start... Real quick with the buy-in which was announced uh, will be a tag team match between Riho and Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker and Rebel or a possible replacement opponent for Rebel. But I assume it's just going to be Britt and Rebel. Um, I will give my thoughts first. It's probably going to be Britt and Rebel just because I think Britt is going to need a bounce back win after not making it very far in the tournament. And that's my thoughts. We'll go Rich, then JR, then Floyd. uh, Thoughts and predictions on this match.
1: I'm going to take Thunder Rosa and Riho and um, the reason I'll take them is because Rebel's not really pushed as a wrestler, so they do a real good job about, like, beating the right people, typically. Um, Thunder is quickly growing into one of my favorite wrestlers, um, you know, throughout working a tournament, and I'm glad Reho's back, and I love the Doctor, too. Excited about it. All
0: right, right, Jr.
2: I'm going to go with Rio and Thunder Rosa. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens out with NWA coming back to see how much longer Thunder Rosa stays with AEW. So um, I figure either Rio or Thunder would be the next line for potentially getting a title shot.
3: And And, and yeah, I will go with uh, I'm going with Britt. I think with uh, Thunder Rosa getting that last win over Rio, I think Rio got to get a win back. There's going to be a little dissension between those two. And that'll build up a big women's match. And then, of course, Brit and Thunder Rosa got some more more to go. So I'm looking past this match and what it could be. So I'm looking at Britt Baker getting a win.
0: All right. Going into the main card, we have Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor of Best Friends teaming up to face Miro and Kip Sabian. Miro had a short little promo on Dynamite 2 building up this match. And, um, I see this match being, <sighs> see, honestly, I feel like, cause my mind's going first to Miro. I just think they need to continue to build Miro up as like this vicious bastard of a heel. And if anybody's, I think is going to take the pin, I would think Chuck Taylor would take it. And I know OC has been really getting his payback after Miro pretty much just took out all of his best friends. But honestly, I think they're still sticking with Miro. So I got, I'm, I'm going with Miro and Kip.
1: Going to go with Miro and Kip. Uh, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> Chuck Taylor. Uh, he's a pen eater in this situation. Um, haven't really enjoyed this feud too much. The It was nice that they got married, but d- this should almost be a dark match.
0: All right. We'll go to JR then.
2: This is by far the worst match on the card for me. This, this whole storyline makes zero sense. And uh, I expect Miro to destroy... Chuck Taylor for the one, two, three, or I actually should say the, I don't know what his new hold is called, but basically the his game over. Thank you. Game over. Kevin clutch.
3: All I can, from the promo tonight, I can tell Miro watches, uh, Miro reads Twitter because he says everybody's ready for him to stop playing games and Sunday games will be over. I think this is going to be the big, uh, big, uh, start of his monster push. Towards whoever they're getting him ready for. And I think he just destroys both of them. I mean, I don't think he necessarily destroys OC. But he taps Chuck E.T. out at the end of the match.
0: All right. We then have the Casino Battle Royal uh, tag team match. There's a lot of tag teams that are going to be in this match. So, honestly, I I don't have a full list exactly of all who's going to be there. But we know that... John Silver and Alex Reynolds will be in there. Eva Uno, Stu Grayson, Pride and Powerful, Butcher and the Blade, Private Party, The Acclaimed. Um, and they also had announced uh, Top Flight and Bear Country will also be in the match. Um, so I would think, at least in my mind, I would think that they're going to go with The Acclaimed on this one just because they've been appearing a lot more on TV. And uh, it seems like they've really got a good amount of... Um, actually, well... Yeah, I think I'll go with them just because I don't think um, uh, Max Cassiter is going to win the ladder match. So that's who I'll go with.
1: I'm going to go with SCU. Saw them in the, in the brawl. Um, if SCU, you know, doesn't win, I, I, I assume this story is still going on. Then they have to break up. So I, I could, you know, easily see them, you know, they've been undefeated since they've done that thing parlaying this into either a match at double or nothing with the Bucks or at the next special uh for the titles and they you know beat everyone along the way essentially and then fall short to you know the Bucks. So going with SCU here.
2: All right, Jr. I'm gonna go with Santana and Ortiz.
3: Alright, that's a good shout I think. I, I'm go, I, Floyd. I was gonna say I'm gonna go with uh Pot and Ray Phoenix. I think um, if you just want to build to the next big match where just a contender for uh, the Young Bucks, you go with Pack and Ray Phoenix. You can build up to a big show in between now and uh, the, the Double or Nothing. And I think that's a main event tag team match. So going with Ray Phoenix and Pack.
0: All right. Up next, we have the big money match between Matt Hardy, Big Money Matt, and hangman adam page this match obviously will be the winner getting the first quarter of their earnings of their of their of their uh upcoming year and i see hangman going out and just being bringing punishment to matt hardy and um eventually we're gonna see um it's gotta it's I I see it all leading towards Hangman eventually leading the the dark order just because I feel like it's all going towards that point, but I got hangman for this one. Rich, your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna take Hangman to win inside of ten minutes. Um, this feels like when Jerry Lawler would be in a feud with someone like Bret Hart or something, and you know Bret Hart's just gonna kick the shit out of this old guy. And um, yeah, Hangman rides and takes the money.
3: All yep. right, JR.
2: I agree 100. My money's on Hangman Adam Page.
3: Yeah, if Matt Hardy wins this, we riot and then I start <laughs> questioning how the AEW's booking Hangman. I mean, I mean, he can take losses, but this ain't one of them.
0: All right. Next is the face of the revolution ladder match Cody Rhodes, Scorpio Sky, Pentagon Uh, Lance Archer, Max Cassiter, and the surprise guest that will be announced at the show. Um, I guess we'll just do two thoughts on who the surprise guest will be, and then who you got for the ladder match. Um, I am a boring fuck, and I have no idea, so I will just go ahead and say uh, Christian, just because if Christian showed up in AEW, I'd be all fucking for it. Uh, And I will put my money on Scorpio Sky.
1: Scorpio's guy sounded interesting on commentary. Um, He was very cocky and egotistical. That's not a bad choice at all. Um, I'm thinking ahead to what could be up next for Darby. Uh, I don't think Cody would be the right person to put right back in that spot right now. Um, You could go with someone like Pentagon uh, if you're going to treat him as a singles act right now. So I'll go with Pentagon.
0: Alright, JR.
2: I was gonna go with Penta El Cerramaro too. Um but in the interest of being a little different, I like the concept of a everybody dies Lance Archer versus Darby Allen because Darby Allen is a bumping machine and I think they could have a potentially good match um with Lance Archer versus Darby Allen and help continue building up Darby Allen.
3: And Floyd, I am going with the debuting all e- all ego Ethan Page, um, excuse me. The reason being, they had a hell of a rivalry in Evolve, uh, Ethan Page and Darby Allen. So it'd be you could build it up as somebody from Darby's past that was kind of like his bully. Oh, um, um, they're
1: really treating him like Sting.
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly and it'll be like somebody from his past that was really like very much a bully like a lot of the uh the lot of the things in the body bag where the guy puts him in a body bag and throws them around it started with ethan page in evolve so yeah man i'd love to see that yeah so bringing that to aew that's a perfect first feud for ethan page
0: I like that choice actually We have the AEW Women's Championship match Between Hikaru Shida and Ryu Mizunami Um, I know uh, The idea of uh, Hikaru Shida's run hasn't been The most positive in a lot of people's eyes I just don't know if Ryu Mizunami Is the one that they're going to stick the belt on Just because I think there's just not a lot of Like name catching to it So I think it's just going to go to Hikaru Shida.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna stick with uh a Carl Shida on this, barring like some big heel turn from Rio Mizanami, uh, where they decide like, hey, you're gonna stay in America and then you're gonna carry this thing, but uh she doesn't turn or anything. Stays this baby face, baby face match. A Carl rolls on and I gotta think, uh eventually J Cargill is gonna be looking at her. Oh damn straight, yeah. J R
2: it's tough because I love Sheeta. She's had unfortunately not a good title run for a number of reasons. But I mean, you do this whole tournament to come up with you know, a you know, this new challenger for Sheeta. You book a Japanese side, you book an American side, you fly you know, Ryu Mizunami in. I just feel like I can't go against Ryu Mizunami, so I gotta say there's gonna be a new champion in the women's division.
3: Okay, Floyd hello um let's see i'm gonna go with sheeta uh i have not been the biggest fan of her run but i think you need i it needs to matter when you lose the belt and i just don't think rio has the momentum he she does have the build of someone they built up to lose the sheeta but not of someone that they actually gonna take the belt i think uh I think it's going to be Britt Baker when it finally does happen. But, yeah, uh, so I'm going with Naomi.
0: All right. Street fight. Darby Allen and Sting versus Brian Cage and Ricky Starks of Team Chaz. A lot of eyes on this one since uh, the last few weeks of uh, Dynamite have really ignited this feud with Sting taking a big powerbomb from Brian Cage to Darby Running a zip line down to the ring with a skateboard to Sting actually getting physical with Team Taz. Um, and I feel like just having Sting being a part of it, um, I feel like it's Sting and Darby's match to win. Uh, so I'm going to go with Sting and Darby.
1: Yeah, I am also going to go with Sting and Darby. I think the three of them between Starks, Cage, and. Uh, Darby will be working very hard for this. And I think sting knows the pressures on he's looked great in his physical encounters the last couple of weeks. Um, I want to say back, you know, when he was in WWE, he looked a bit stiff and, you know, I, you know, the first, like a couple of times he would do circle triple H and, um, there was just like kind of this weird thing I saw. He was moving like an old man, but he's not moving like an old man in a W, which is like crazy. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a cinematic match. Uh, I don't even know if they need to do a cinematic match, but um, I'm into it. I know the storyline, it was like a snail's pace to get through, but uh, it feels like, you know, it's peaking at the right time.
0: All right, JR, your thoughts? I'm with
2: um, Sting and Darby Allin. I think especially, I mean, Sting's a legend. There's not enough good things you can say about him, and he continues building up Darby even though it's not for the TNT title, but it builds him up as a TNT champion. Um, but I, I have actually a counter question. Is, is this going to be a cinematic match
0: or not? I'm going to go with a no on that one just because I feel like it doesn't need to be. And I think just because it's a street fight, I don't think there's really a need to make it cinematic. And I think Sting is going to be, I don't know. I have a good feeling that he'll be okay.
1: I feel like there may be portions of it that are cinematic like they may disappear or and go to like some pre-recorded shot or something like that like these street fights we've seen them in dailies they go all around the building so i wouldn't be shocked if there was a cinematic element to it
3: i gotta say taz needs taz team taz needs this win they they don't want it they need this win they are the most jaw-jobber mid-card act ever. I think the whole crew that lost to Darby for the TNT title. They need a win. They it, it, Maybe Sting comes out looking good at the end, but I, th- I think Team Taz needs a win. I like that. I, I
0: do like that idea, but I do. Um, I'm interested to see the way they go. Um, tag Team Championship match. We have MJF and Jericho versus the Young Bucks. I don't see the Young Bucks losing the belts this soon, honestly. And plus, I just think, as much as MJF and Jericho working together is good, I don't see them as tag team champions. And that's just me. Um, we'll really quickly go to Rich on this one.
1: Yeah. Um, I said on One Nation Radio, they've like taken the the gas, the heat off the gas of so the inner circle breakup simply because they've like removed Sammy from the equation. But I feel like that's going to rear its ugly head again. Because you know, Jericho and MJF are due to explode on each other. So, yes, uh, the six-time Tag Team of the Year will retain uh, the belts.
0: All right, and going to JR. Um, You know, the interesting thing
2: is going to be is I can see legitimately five different ways it can go between the Casino Battle Royale and this match with different storylines coming out of it. It just would be really difficult to take the belts off of the, the Young Bucks I mean, only the first favor per you after they won it at full gear, especially to a makeshift team of MGF and Chris Jericho. And to echo what Rich said is that that breakup is going to rear its ugly head, and I don't see it lasting past a revolution. So the six-time uh, Wrestling Observer Rage Award winner Tag Team of the Year, it will retain. Okay. I just had to throw that out there. Okay.
3: <laughs> I, I think the six time six time fan club award winner, uh, Young Bucks yeah, do, <laughs> do retain their belts. And I think it has to do with Sammy G. I'd rather this match just be kind of straight up, but the bigger the bigger thing is the inner circle breakup. So I think there's some interference from the inner circle and Sammy G is the one that balances it out and the Young Bucks are able to hit that BTE trigger. And get the one, two, three.
0: All right. Finally, exploding barbed wire death match. Kenny Omega versus John Moxley for the AEW world title. This is going to be a fucking, I don't even know what to say. I guess the best word is just a shit show because I don't know what other way to describe it. Um, it's Kenny Omega's run has been nothing short of great. And it's got to be Kenny Omega getting payback on John Moxley from their unsanctioned match. And Kenny Omega with Don Callis, they got something sneaky going on. I'm sure. Uh, I got Kenny Omega retaining.
1: Yeah, man, um, best bout machine. When he says he's the best bout machine, he means all types of bouts. So if he, we have to do uh, an exploding, you know, death match uh, with the barbed wire, you know, that's just what's gonna have to happen. Uh, Box maybe headed to paternity leave. Uh, I think this whole storyline's been awesome. Uh, we've seen the um, those trios matches. We've seen the Forbidden Door matches, you know, uh, lights out stuff. Uh, their singles match with the super angle. And um, I, th- I think this is a few-year contender. And I think these two are going to lose their fucking minds. And uh, I just read something that apparently AEW had offered to bring Onita over for the, de- the death match, but the quarantine would have made him miss a prior booking. So they have all the ideas. I feel like the uh, video package they played tonight on Dynamite was incredible using Onita to build up both of these guys. The master of the death match. I think we're going to get, you know, the mind of Kenny Omega meets the body of John Moxley, kind of, which you know there are no limits to both. Seemingly, what they'll do, but at the end of the day, going with the best bow machine, uh, you know, he rides again.
2: All right, Jr. I'm gonna say this because I think it's important to understand, um when I make the statement, I, for the longest time, never understood how, why Kenny Omega was such a big deal. Like, I saw his matches in Japan, and I was like, I, I just didn't get it. But I didn't think I was watching it, like, consistently. I was only seeing, like, the big matches. But watching Kenny on a very consistent basis in AEW, especially with his heel turn, he is my favorite heel to watch right now. I don't think there's a better heel I've seen – and I think Floyd said it the nail on the head since the NWO that uh, I've enjoyed. And he is, everything he does is, is amazing as a heel in AEW. And this is the blow-off feud. One of the things I said earlier is that the one thing I feel like you cannot criticize AEW on is the booking of the AEW uh, heavyweight, heavyweight Championship. You know, the, any storylines lines that go with that, whether it was from Jericho and Hangman in the beginning to Kenny and Moxie right now, and this is the blow off. Like, you can't ask for a bigger blow off than this. Whether you like death matches or not, this is the ultimate blow off. And I see Kenny, and a lot of people don't count the first match as official because it was lights out, but people saw it and it happened. I say Kenny wins this, you know, essentially this trilogy two to one, and he retains his AEW uh, Headway Championship.
3: Yeah, I All mean,. Right. I think Kenny goes two and zero. Oh. There's no trilogy because the first <laughs> match was an exhibition. It was practice, so Kenny is two and zero oh against the Death Rider, John Moxley, uh, the current NJPW United States Champion. No, I was at I was at one. I was at the first exhibition, and yeah, it was crazy. It was nuts. And then I, you know, I took the special flight to the, December third because I felt. Something special was gonna happen that night, and I was right. And now it's the third one, and there's no way I could miss being in the building line for this match. There is an energy like Mox. I will tell you, if the, his last year in the other company, I was just, I was like, oh Lord, I was. I I mean, he was my favorite member of the Shield when they uh when they debuted, and I was just like so disappointed. With that badass that wasn't afraid of anything walking around with a mask on, afraid of germs. And then it was like, when he came to AEW, it's like, there's the guy I fell in love with. That's the guy. He's just such a badass. He carries a badass aura. He's built kind of like a guy that can fight where, you know, he's got the muscles, but he's not like super ripped. But he just he looks like an ass kicker. Like everything about John Moxley says he will mess you up in a dark alley. And I love that in my wrestlers. And then Kenny Omega is almost the opposite of that. This dude is the most beautifully violent wrestler in the world. I mean, dude, you just talk about straight in ring. You maybe say there's someone on his level, but you cannot tell me there's someone better. The combination of these two in this this blank canvas in America—that is the exploding. Deathmatch. I mean, most Americans haven't seen this match, so this is a blank heavens for these two violent artists to paint on. I cannot wait. Of course, Kenny Omega's going to win. There's no reason for him to lose. It would make no sense, but good lord, if Moxley wins and this rivalry gets to continue for another show, I am down for that shit
0: all right and that is our predictions and preview for AEW revolution and that will also wrap up this special episode of all things elite real quick thank you once again to rich Lada and jr for joining us on this podcast immediately after the show so glad to have you guys on we'll go to jr first jr where can people find you and floyd when it comes to around the ring where can they find you on social media
2: uh, once again, if you go to, on Twitter, at Around the Ring OK, that's our Twitter handle. Uh, you can also find me, as I mentioned earlier, at the AW All League Discussion page on Facebook, uh, where I'm a moderator. We always discuss everything, all things related to All League Wrestling. So, just real quick, it was a pleasure being with, with you three guys. Rich, it was a pleasure talking to you, also, as well as my brother Floyd. I um, hope
0: you guys have a good night. It was a lot of fun. And straight. And Rich, again, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, man. Um, you guys can follow me at Rich Latta Thirty uh, Two. Jr. Same, you know. Go see you. Pleasure speaking with you. And uh, send send me that invite for that Facebook group if you can. Um, and uh, yeah, guys, check out at One Nation Radio on Twitter. Listen on the Social Suplex Podcast Network where uh, we record typically Sundays or Mondays. And um, if you enjoy music stuff, look me up on YouTube and just type in Rich L A T T A.
0: All right. And of course, the guys, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're downloading the show on Google, Apple Podcasts. Give us a share around. Leave a rating, review. You can also leave a donation through Red Circle. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplexes, is the guys that make this whole show possible and also creates. So many other great podcasts through their podcast network. I am at SZumo4 on Twitter. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And Floyd, you can go ahead and close us out for this show as we look forward to AEW Revolution this Sunday.
3: Well, JR, first I'm going to say, watch out, Adding Rich. He is a verbal assassin, and he does not hold back when people are talking the nonsense on Kenny Omega, so <laughs> be careful what you, just know what you're adding, I'm just wanting you to know what you're getting into, but uh, yes, I, th- I thank my tag team partner JR, and I thank Rich, the multi-talent Rich Lada, and hey. the silkiest silkiest voice in this in podcasting, Mr. Austin Sumowitz, man, it was great having all four of us, it, this could have been a clusterfuck, but Austin, the QB, the Peyton Manning of Podcast, he, he kept it all in order. And I thank you for that. I am I'll, jumping in the car tomorrow to Jacksonville. I am looking forward to this weekend. Everybody's still, I know, I know with the shots out there, everybody's like, oh, man. You know, you know like Texas is like, oh, screw it. We're just going to all die. Well, you know what? Still. Wear your mask, socially distance, get your shots, do whatever you can to take care of yourself and the people around you. And when it comes to home work or school, always do your best to be elite.